Hallelujah. How many of, our, of you are ble were blessed over the last few days with Prophetess Kathy in our midst? I would have to say, yes, we were all blessed in the name of Jesus. I'll speak for you all. We were all so blessed. And one of the things that she declared over us that, that actually God, she, she's repeating Hallelujah. And we're declaring Isaiah 55 that God's word is not going to return unto him void, but we're going to believe it. We're going to believe what he says and we're going to receive it. And it's going to be a part of our life. He says, Psalm 65, 11. How many of you are muttering it? How many of you started muttering it? How many of you started every day in your quiet time, you just started meditating on it? Psalm 50, 65, 11. Uh, you, know how, you know how you know? You know how you know? You know because at first when you start quoting a scripture, you get it all kerfuffled. It's like, oh, you get the first part and the back part and the back part and the first part and you add something else that doesn't belong there and you got to go back to the book and find out exactly what it says. And you might have to do that a couple times. Not okay. That's okay. But eventually, you get to the place where it's in your memory. And so Psalm 65, 11 tells us that God has crowned this year, hallelujah, he's crowned this year with his goodness. He's crowned this year with his goodness. And so, God, we just declare that we thank you for that, Lord, that our year, God, that our year, that means every day, God, every day is crowned with your goodness. And your goodness, God, is your glory. And your glory, God, is everything, Lord, that is heavy laden, everything, God, that is heavy, everything about you that's good, everything about you that's good, everything about you that's good. My year, our year, our year is crowned. It's crowned. It's crowned. It's sealed with your goodness, Lord. And you you said, God, that our paths, my path, your path, my path, your path, our paths are dripping with the abundance of God. They're dripping. They're dripping. They're dripping. Sometimes you can't, you know, you're dripping. It's like mostly we can think about it when something drips that shouldn't drip. It's like dripping. It's dripping. Oil is dripping. It's dripping and it won't stop dripping. That's what's happening in your life and it's happening in my life. My path, your path. I shared it yesterday yesterday in prayer. Hallelujah. I was, I was at, um, a store and I had the shopping card and my purse was in the shopping cart and I put my list in, in the card and the wind blew and it grabbed a hold of my list. And so you know how you do the wind blows and you run after your list. And usually, you know, you get it after a few tries, your foot lands on it and you capture it, you know, but I ran after it and ran after it cause I needed that list. Cause that was my shopping list. And I live by lists. If you're a list person like me, you know, and so I, I, you know, after I ran after it for a while, I noticed that my shopping cart was in the middle of the laneway where all <laughs> the cars are. And so I finally was like, you know, there goes my list. I need my list. And out of the corner of my eye, I've been declaring just like you that my path is dripping with your abundance. My path is dripping with your abundance. My path, in my path, is the abundance of God. And all of a sudden, I see this man look at my list, because I'm doing all of this. It's all happening in slow motion, right? And everybody else, there's 100 people watching me. Nobody's running. And I see this man out of the corner of my eye, and he looks at my list, and then he turns away. He's like, nah. He sees the wind, you know, he picked it up and away it's going, right? And all of a sudden I look again and the man is running after my list. And he catches my list and he brings me my list. And I looked at the man and I said, bless you, sir. That is so nice that I see this lady who's there. She has her shopping cart and she's like also in slow motion. That was so nice. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I said, Lord, thank you. My path is dripping with your abundance. How many of you know abundance is what you need at that moment? Come on. How many of you know it's what you need at that moment? I didn't need anything else that moment. I need, what I needed at that moment was my list. I needed my list so I could finish my duty and go home. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Psalm 65, 11, put it to memory. God said he's crowned our year already, already, already. Get the picture of faith sees it done. It sees it done. And the more you mutter it, the more God will add to it. The more he'll add to it, you'll be surprised. And all of a sudden when you're muttering it in the middle of the night, you might have a dream. During the day, you might have a thought. Don't discard those thoughts. It's because you're putting pressure on the word of God. 
And what's going to happen, that's what's supposed to happen. We're supposed to get ideas. We're supposed to get concepts. We're supposed to get insight. We're supposed to get pictures. When we mutter or meditate on the word of God, that's what happens when we do that. And so we don't discard it and call it, chi call it childish. No, that's what happens. His word creates pictures. And his pick, those pictures are something, the Bible says, that hope is the anchor of our soul. That word might not have anchored you, but that picture of what you need will anchor you. And all of a sudden, when you put them together, now your faith begins to grow and it grows and it grows and it grows and it may just be faith for a list that's flying in the wind, but eventually, where is that going to take us? But the thing is, is that faith moves line upon line. It grows line upon line. And somehow, you know, when you come to a faith church, you know, you want to put your faith towards these big, huge projects. And the truth of the matter is that when you're learning about faith, you have to start in the small things. You have to start in the small things. You have to start in the small things. But the beautiful thing is that God's not a respecter of persons and that when you give your faith to something, it will grow. And it doesn't grow like when you go to school, you know, where you're stuck in grade one. It grows to the measure that you give hunger and thirst and desperation to God. So God, we just thank Can you. Come on, let's just lift our hands tonight. Let's just lift our hands. Hallelujah. I'm just going to read out of John chapter 17, the Passion Translation. Oh, say my path is dripping. It's dripping. Your path is dripping with the abundance of God. Say, it's good. It's good. Say, I'm expecting great things. Say, great things are in store for me this year. And I receive them all because God is a good God. My God is a good God. My God is moving heaven and earth for me to bless me to bless me, to bless you, to get good to us. Say, that's the truth. And I believe it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So yesterday when, if you were at prayer with us, um, hallelujah, we, um, we had a wonderful time of prayer um, together. And, you know, people will sometimes say to me, like pastor will say, you know, prayer is good and uh, I'm always, obviously, that's always my hope in a corporate prayer setting, but I'm like, you know, well, hopefully it was good for you. It was good for me. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we were in two different places. I'm not really sure. Um, but, you know, I kept hearing, uh, they that bear the vessels of the Lord must be holy. They that bear the vessels of the Lord must be holy. And that which is holy changes everything. And so... Um, Pastor Alex asked me to do a little switcheroo with him and minister. And, um, you know, sometimes, we, sometimes we're led by God and we know that we're being led by God. And sometimes when we're being led by God, we don't realize that we're being led by God. So when we were together last weekend um, uh, or last Wednesday, uh, we talked. One of the things is we prayed and worshiped together. Um, can I just tell you there's something so powerful? Um, you, you might wonder sometimes, you know, why are we worshiping and praying? But you know, when David brought the ark back into the city of David, um, there was so much worship that went on. And, and when we think about David, uh, we often think about David was a worshiper. David was a man after God's own heart. But one of the things that, that really is so valuable that comes out of worship, because we're a house of worship, is presence. And what we want to be able to do, because we are also called to be a house of prayer for all nations, what you do out of the presence of God is you govern. What you do out of the presence of God is you hear the voice of God, and when you hear the voice of God, you speak the voice of God, and Isaiah says that when we speak his word, his word will not return void, and that's what governing looks like. That's what governing looks like. See, Jesus said, all power and authority has been given unto me, therefore you go. And what his expectation is, is that we would be dis a disciple like him, that, that we would take the words that the Father says and we would say the words that the Father says and, and we would live the words that the Father says. We would let them impact our lives. Amen? Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Lord. We, we thank you, Lord. So, um, so I, kept, I kept hearing that and um, when we were praying, and you know, I'm not going to get into what we were seeing. I'm trying not to go down too many rabbit holes and kind of trying to stay focused here. So anyway, I, I was planning on, oh, I was talking about this, sorry. So last Wednesday night, we, ta- we, we were singing and we were praying, and, and it's important because we're in a place of governing. But what we, what we ended up doing when we were praying was Holy Spirit had us light on this issue where the, the word tells us that the traditions of men make the word of God of no effect or ineffective or, or powerless. And one of the things that we focused on last Wednesday night was this idea of um, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of us and quickens our mortal body. So the idea that, um, you know, we gave our hearts to Christ, we asked for the infilling of the spirit, bang, Holy Spirit comes to indwell us, come upon us, flow through us. And But what can happen is, now we have Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, Almighty God living on the inside of us, hallelujah, to change us and impact others around us and the world that's around us. But the problem is, is that we get so used to the fact that Holy Spirit lives inside of us that that becomes what the word is talking about. It becomes a tradition of men. And so even though he's Holy Spirit, and even though he loves us, and even though he's all-powerful and all-knowing, he knows what's in the heart and mind of the Father, and he will lead us into that truth. If we get into the tradition where we come, become familiar with Holy Spirit, then it, it, you're not living a supernatural life, or I'm not living a supernatural life. We're not living a supernatural life like we were intended to because we've become so familiar with Holy Spirit living inside of us. So we just tow him around wherever we go, and the only time we talk to him, maybe, is first thing in the morning, but we really don't know you're a person, you have feelings. Ephesians tells us, don't make the Holy Spirit sad. He has emotions. He never leaves us, but we make him sad when we don't say and do what the word says. We make him sad. He never leaves us because the Bible says that God will never leave us or forsake us, but we can make him sad or some of the translations say grieve. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. And so, um, so I kept hearing that and I, I, I was thinking that I was going to minister on Philippians chapter four and we're going to touch on it. But last night when I was sleeping, um, I, I heard, I kept hearing, actually I was doing a study in my sleep and I was preparing a study and I kept hearing over and over and over again, they that bear the vessels of the Lord are holy. They that bear the vessel of the Lord are holy. It just was resounding in my dream. And so when I woke up this morning, I was like, Lord, could it be that that's what you want me to talk about? And so you all know, you know, in the Old Testament, because that's where the scripture is coming from, it's coming out of Isaiah 52, we know that once a year the priests would go into the Holy of Holies and they would bear the vessels of the Lord. Amen. And so they were holy and they had the, you know, the pomegranates and the bells around them and they had the rope around them and they would go in once a year and they would carry the sin of mankind and deal with all of the junk so that man could go free. And if they bore any sin, they needed to be holy and they kept a rope on them. And as long as the bells were dingling and the pomegranates were moving and that thing was moving, then they were alive. But that's what the scripture says. They that bear the vessels of the Lord must be holy. If they weren't walking in holiness, or in rightness towards God, then whoop, and they were no good to anybody. And so now we look at that and we say, Lord, why are you talking to us? New Testament, Jesus went to the cross, he died, we have Holy Spirit. So why, why do you keep talking to us about they that bear the vessel of the Lord must be holy? But we have Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And so we are bearing the Lord. We are bearing the Lord. We are carrying Holy Spirit with us everywhere we go. We're carrying, just stop for a minute. Just close your eyes and just put your hand on your heart and just just take a moment and just let that reality hit you. He is here, Holy Spirit is here. Holy Spirit, you're here and you're so welcome. You're here and you're so welcome and you're communicating your word and you're so big and you're so loving. You love the Father and you love Jesus and you love us and you're teaching us how to love the Father and how to love Jesus and you're teaching us tonight. You're opening the eyes of our understanding and helping us to understand the word. 
That's what you're doing tonight. You're giving us revelation. You're here and you have feelings and you're, you're moving around and you, and you know what's on the heart and mind of the Father and you have desires. And it's our desire to learn about you and to learn about heaven, Holy Spirit, so that we would not make you sad. We don't want you to be sad. We want you to be pleased. And we want to bring glory to the Father through you. And we want to honor Jesus through you. And you're alive and you're here. And you're loving and you're gentle and you're kind and you're compassionate. And you're so powerful. And we honor you. We just take a moment and we honor you. And we honor the Holy Ghost encounters tonight. And we honor you doing, moving in and out of every island. We honor you just spontaneously touching lives and changing things. Yeah. We just honor you. There's, you. You don't belong in a box. And we don't want you to be in a box. And so we're not boxing you in. We're declaring that we're pagaing tonight. We're hitting the mark. Holy Spirit, you're leading us to hit the mark in the name of Jesus. And so that which is holy changes everything, okay? So um, the implication um, in John chapter 17, <clears throat> they that bear, it's talking about us, they that bear the vessels of the Lord must be holy. The implication then is that we will influence this world, the people of this world, the system of this world, when we are kept, they that bear the vessels of the Lord must be holy when we're kept Okay, holy, we're going to get the definition of that word. Um, holiness changes everything for the good when we're kept from its evil influences and its evil desires. And I talked a little bit, we had a conversation with Prophetess Kathy yesterday, and she was just saying how her and her family are so sensitive prophetically, just so sensitive to things around them. And so she worded it like this. She said, we don't get away with anything. But how many of you know that we're not necessarily, maybe if you've gone through a fast or something like that, you'll notice that your heart is so sensitive. Or maybe you you know, when you unplug and you go back at it, you, you notice, ooh, certain things feel like they hurt your heart or certain words are so abrasive. If you've decided to walk in love and somebody around you is like wa walking out of love and or they're cursing or something, it sounds so abrasive to you. Well, that's what it means to be holy. It means that we're separated, separated unto rightness, separated unto God, separated unto God's way of, of, of thinking and living and doing. But the implication in John chapter 17 before I read it is that as Jesus is having this prayer, this conversation with the Father, the implication is as we are separated unto God, unto his word, unto his spirit, the implication then is that those who don't know the Lord will only come to the Lord through your and my separation. That's the implication. Jesus lived a separated life. Therefore, he impacted the disciples. Therefore, as the disciples lived a sanctified or separated life unto God, unto his ways, others were impacted by the ways of God. Now, when we go through the dark years where no, we're no longer separated by the word of God and the ways of God. We no longer see man by the masses coming to the Lord. But once we resurrect the word of God and the ways of God and people who, who you know, buy into this, the ways of God, we, we begin to see that, that separation they that bear the vessels of the Lord must be holy, and that which is holy changes everything. Jesus says this in John 17, Father, I have glorified you on the earth. <clears throat> Listen to the verbiage, by faithfully doing everything that you have told me. Father, I have manifested who you really are, and I have revealed you to the men and women that you gave to me. They were yours, and you gave them to me. And they have fastened your word firmly to their hearts. And now at last they know that everything I have is a gift from you. And the very words that you gave to me speak. 
I have passed on to them. They have received your words and carry them in their hearts. They are convinced that I have come from your presence and they have all this happened because of the word that was given to them. Faith rose to believe the unthinkable. They are convinced that I have come from your presence and they have fully believed that you sent me to represent you. So with deep love, I pray for my disciples. I'm not asking on behalf of the unbelieving world, but for those who belong to you, those who you have given me. For all who belong to me now belong to you, and all who belong to you now belong to me as well. And my glory is revealed through their surrendered lives. They that bear the vessels of the Lord must be holy, and that which is holy changes everything. Holy Father, I am about to leave this world to return and be with you, but my disciples will remain here. So I ask that by the power of your name, protect each one that you have given me and watch over them so that they will be united as one, even as we are one. While I was with these that you have given me, I have kept them safe by your name that you have given me. Not one of them is lost. But now I am returning to you, so Father, I pray that they will experience and enter into my joyous delight in you, so that it is fulfilled in them and overflows. I have given them your message, and that is why the unbelieving world hates them. For their allegiance is no longer to this world, because I am not of this world. I am not asking that you remove them from the world, but I ask that you guard their hearts from evil, for they no longer belong to this world any more than I do. Your word is truth. So make them holy by the truth. I have commissioned them to represent me just as you commissioned me to represent you. And now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so that they will live as fully dedicated to God and be made holy by your truth. I pray for them all to be joined together as one even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one, I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize our love for one another. Our love for one another. They that bear the vessels of the Lord must be holy. Holy in, First Peter says, holy in all manner of conduct and conversation. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory that you have given to me, I have given to them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me now and I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity. The unity that we live, First Peter talks about, be holy in all manner of conduct and conversation. The scripture says, First Peter 1, 15 to 17, for it is written, be holy for I am holy. The Amplified translation, when it talks about be holy in all manner of 
conduct and conversation. We're going to deal with some things tonight. We're going to take communion. We talked about they that bear the vessels of the Lord shall be holy, and that which is holy changes everything. We talked last week about the traditions of men making the word of God ineffective or powerless, and we're talking now about holiness, walking in right conduct or right conversation, being set apart from the world by our godly character and our moral courage our conduct our conversation we know that our conversation is a result of our thoughts it's a result of our emotions our those thoughts bring emotions those emotions release words those words eventually affect our behavior he's saying be holy in all manner of conduct in conversation he's releasing a grace upon us to be holy the implication in john 17 is that the world through our unity, through our love for God and our love for one another, what we do behind closed doors, the way we think, the way we speak, the way we live, the way we speak about God, the way we speak about ourselves, the way we speak about others, behind closed doors. Jesus is saying in John 17 that those things, that ma manner of conversation, that manner of conduct it grieves and it's or saddens holy spirit when it's not lining up when it's not lining up with truth it's not lining up with the word of god it's not changing anything and then the implication is that when our thoughts and our words and our conduct or manner of life is lining up with God's word regardless of how we feel where we just make that decision as he said you know we're separated by the word he said I gave them your word I told them things that they could never believe and never understand but because they heard me and they understood. They heard and heard and heard and eventually they understood. And when they understood, they, they made a decision to agree with heaven. And when we agree with heaven, we release our faith that says, yes, I agree, Father, with your ways. And when we agree with heaven, we're not only resisting the kingdom of darkness and all that it's been trying to send our way to sabotage the blessing of God because of our conduct and our conversation, but we're also receiving of the grace of God. When we agree with heaven, we're resisting the enemy. When we agree with heaven, we're receiving the grace of God the grace of God, the grace of God sometimes to stand, the grace of God sometimes to say the right thing, the grace of God to love the unlovable, the grace of God to be firm and immovable, steadfast when it comes to what we think about God and how we feel about God and, and whether we feel like he's taking too long or he's taking too, you know, he's too late or he's not doing things the way that we want him to. But that word separates us. That word separates us. That word renews and washes our mind. And it shows us how to, how to think. And so when we give ourselves to that word, revelation comes. Jesus said, that's what happened to them. I gave them your word, Father. And now they're my disciples and they understand. Now they understand, why? Because they listened. They listened with the intention of understanding and when you understand or you have revelation, you agree and you resist the enemy. You shut the door to darkness. We can't sow in righteousness and release words that are opposite to what we sow towards. The Bible says, let not that man, that double-minded man who's sowing and sowing and living for God and sowing and living for God, but when the door closes, we're yak, yak, yakking against God and yak, yak, yakking against the children of God and yak, yak, yakking. Ephesians tells us that when we live that way, we are saddening Holy Spirit who is here 
to empower us, to lead us and guide us, to bring us into that same understanding that Jesus brought his disciples in when he was here in flesh and blood on the earth. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go to my Father because I'm going to send each one of you the comforter that's going to live on the inside of you. And he's going to... They that bear the vessels of the Lord must be holy. When he's not grieved, he's in a position where he's able to teach us the ways of God. And when we have that kind of communion and fellowship with him, eventually, because we're listening to him, revelation comes. Eventually, understanding comes. Eventually, insights, ideas, concepts, revelation, creative ideas Hallelujah, we go from glory to glory, no longer living a natural life, no longer living. Sometimes we wonder, sometimes we wonder when we've sowed, and 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 we shut the door, and we agree with hell when it comes to those who are in front of us or behind us, on the side of us, and we sadden Holy Spirit, and when we sadden him, he doesn't leave us. But when we sadden him, we don't receive those things that are on the heart and mind of the Father. Jesus said, I gave them your words, and they heard your words from my mouth, and they understood them, and it changed them, and it changed everything. It changed everything. It changed everything. The acts of the apostles is the supernatural manifestation of what it looks like to have a revelation with Holy, with Holy Spirit when he's not saddened, but he's allowed to reveal the things, the ideas, the plans, the future that's on the heart and mind of the Father. We were never meant to live one natural day. Never meant to live one natural day. Never meant to live one natural day. When we gossip, we live naturally. When we murmur, we live naturally. When we complain, we live naturally. We, it doesn't mean we're bad. It doesn't mean God leaves us. It means we're settling for a natural life. It means we settle. It means we settle. What we do behind closed doors, Jesus said, I gave them your word, and your word changed them. The way they spoke, the way they thought, the way they felt, the way they lived, the way they acted, their conduct. Be holy in all manner of conduct and conversations, for it is written, be holy, for I am holy, be set apart from the world by your godly character. The definition of holy in the Urban Dictionary is this, to be set apart with the weight of glory around us, to be set apart, to be set apart. I'm, I'm set apart. The word of God sets me apart. I'm, I'm set apart, but it's not just me. I'm set apart and in me and on me and through me and all around me is Holy Spirit. They that bear the vessels of the Lord must be holy, and that which is holy changes everything changes people, John 17. It changes circumstances. It changes us. It changes our future. To be holy means to be innocent in all that you say or do. To be holy means to have no hidden motives. To be holy means to wrong no one. To be holy means to be a keeper of promises and a restorer of all good things. To be holy, holiness is the foundation of all, that is, all right relationships, and it is the standard for all actions of all people at all times. Holiness is the foundation of all right relationships, and it is the standard for all actions of all people at all times. It is the standard of all, for all actions of all people at all times. Holiness does not grant a different standard for anyone at any level of knowledge, age, or capability. There's one standard. It's the truth of the word of God that's been commissioned to us. In contrast to holiness, secular doctrines of human rights justify 
and greatly expand wickedness of spirit. Holiness, therefore, is the means of learning moral truth and achieving pure motives. Hallelujah. Samuel, I want to read to you just, just because I'm, I'm going to bring it to a close and we're going to take communion. Maybe I can get you, uh, Pastor Liz, to go up. But Philippians chapter 4, we, we read it when we worship God in our offering tonight. Holy Spirit is here. Holy Spirit is stretching us. He is stretching us. He is stretching us. He's stretching us where, where with a greater capacity for the word of God. He's not going to force us into the word of God, but he is stretching us with a greater capacity. See, he's given each one of us new wineskins, and he's pouring out this year that's been crowned with his goodness. He's pouring out new wine, and he's, what he's wanting us to do, holiness, he's wanting us to draw the line in the sand and separate ourselves from all conduct, Holy Spirit, are there things, like Prophetess Kathy said, there's just things that we just don't get away with. Holy Spirit, are there things that I'm doing that I've just done them for so long? I There's books that I own, there's CDs that I own, there's things that I'm doing that if I would just stop, if I would just ask you, maybe, they're, maybe they've been an open door. I wonder why has there been so much chaos in my life? I'm not saying it's always the reason, but hey, it's just a few minutes with Holy Spirit who's indwelling us when we stop and we just say, Holy Spirit, is there anything in my conduct, in my manner of living, in my conversation that I'm doing, that I'm saying, that I own, that is saddening you, that is opening the door to darkness that I don't want, that I don't know that I'm doing, and I don't want it. I want to resist it. I'm, I'm saying I resist it, but, I, but, but I'm doing these things, and I didn't know. I didn't know. But wisdom from God makes us to know. Jesus said, they've heard, and they know. And they changed their life based off of what they didn't just listen to, but what they understood changed everything. And so Philippians chapter 4 tells us to stand firm in the Lord. It tells us to work in harmony. I think that's one of the things in, in the book of Proverbs that says that, that the Lord hates. One of the things it says that God hates is brother that's a brother that sows discord against another brother. These, these six things are abomination, even, yea, even seven unto God. Seven things God hates. Proverbs, is it chapter 6? I don't, I don't know. Um, but it says these seven things are abomination, seven things that God hates. And one of them is when brother sows discord against brother. And we wonder why so much chaos. Can I tell you something, a testimony? Sometimes, unfortunately, what happens in the life of a believer, when you have a nine-to-five job and you, you get to go and you clock in and you clock out, is that you're not... You are affected by your conduct and your conversation. But you know, whether you are goofy or not goofy for the most part, you're going to get your paycheck. One of the things that we learned when we were in business in our early years, come on, we learned it. We learned real fast that if we didn't, get, if we didn't walk in the love of God, nobody was getting a paycheck. We learned it real fast that we were living by faith and faith worketh by love. And we weren't clocking a paycheck for somebody, you know, go in there and when we shut the door, we see all kind of evil things against our boss and evil things against this one and evil things against our neighbor and evil things. John chapter 17 says the only way the world is going to know Christ is through our unity and love for God and love for one another. Our holy conversation and our holy lives then that changes everything. It changes everything. You want to know why the hordes of hell have been against you or against me? Sometimes, unfortunately, it's these bad habits that we've gotten into. We think 
as children of God, as agents of God in the earth, who Holy Spirit lives. He's just become too familiar to us. And we say whatever we want, however we want, whenever we want, and don't realize that we are the reason that hell was unleashed in our life. And that people are not necessarily being impacted or changed by the glory because we've just made a decision, a right decision. We have no idea how many people are affected in a positive manner because of the stand that we have taken. And yet, you know the enemy, he dogs you. He dogs you about being a fool for Christ. He dogs you about your commitment. He dogs you about the time that you give. He dogs you about the money that you give. You know, when, when we were in business, our accountant, we used to give more than 30% of our income and our, our, our accountant was just like, you guys are nuts, you're crazy. We were giving almost 50% of our money away. What is wrong with you, you know? But you have no, we have no idea. When God instructs us and, and directs us in our lives, how that moral conduct, it takes courage to live right. It takes courage to be quiet when everybody else is talking, doesn't it? It takes courage to walk away. Sometimes we see courage in the face of, you know, the lion that's roaring, but sometimes courage is being in a group of people who are gossiping and murmuring and complaining and being the one that walks away or in love helps the brothers who have stepped into that thing. Philippians tells us to work in harmony or unity, that we're to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, he says, rejoice. To let all men know our unselfishness, to not fret, but in, in, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, make our requests known unto God. And he says, then God's peace will be ours. He tells us this, whatever is true and worthy of reverence, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is lovely, whatever is kind. Listen to this. In verse eight, he says, think on weigh, take account of, fix your mind on, weigh these things, weigh these things, write, write words. They sound different. They feel different. They have a different impact. He says, don't rush over them, weigh them, think on them, weigh them, take account of them, fix your mind on them and practice what you have learned and received. And he goes on to say, after all of that, he says, I have strength for all things in Christ. I am ready for anything through him who infuses inner strength to me. We see the life of Samuel, and this is God's desire to us or his desire for us. Samuel was set apart. He was holy unto God. He heard the voice of God. He had relationship with God. He knew God. And 1 Samuel chapter 3, if you're a prophetic person, I'm sure it's one of the words that you have confessed in your life. The word declares not one word, not one word of Samuel's, not one word of Samuel's fell to the ground. Not one word. You know, after a prophetess was here, I asked the Lord the next morning, you know, God, where is it? Where do you want me to go in your word? And he took me to Esther chapter five. And, and, and Esther chapter five is when Esther, um, you know, she goes into the inner court and the king, the scripture says, the king sees her and he, he extends his scepter to her and the king declares to her, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want, Esther? Even to the half of my kingdom. Can I tell you, when we're living right, morally right, I'm not talking about making mistakes. First John tells us that when we make a mistake, Holy Spirit is there. When we, we repent of our mistakes, Holy Spirit is there to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I'm talking about a habitual lifestyle of this stuff not falling down and making a mistake. God is there. That's what the cross is all about, for our mistakes. It's our habitual 
conduct in life. Not one word of his fell to the ground. That's God's, that's God's desire for us. He has extended his scepter to us and he's asking us. His desire is just like what the word says to us, that when we delight ourselves in God, he will give us the desires of our heart. That bears with it the connotation that just like in that scripture, you know, those that are yours are mine and, and mine are yours. There's a, there's, a, there's a melding and a unity that's happening. The scripture says when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he gives us the desires of his heart because now his thoughts are my thoughts and my thoughts are his thoughts and what I delight in and what I desire is what God desires for me and God is extending that scepter as we cry out for people as we cry out in love and not in judgment and not in criticism but in love just like John 17 says God's desire for our words is Isaiah 55. In the Amplified Translation, it says this, that his word will not return void. It will not come back useless or without results. It will not come back without accomplishing what he desires and without succeeding in the manner for which it was sent out to do. So here's what we're going to do. Are you all good? Here's what we're going to do. Hallelujah. I have asked them to have communion out in front of us. And, and, and we're thankful. Hallelujah. We are thankful for the, the body of Jesus that was broken and that was shed for us. We're thankful for his blood that was spilled out. That's the representation of the new and everlasting covenant of life that we have with him. We are that royal priesthood that chosen generation called forth from you know from God to God we're blessed because of the elements and so I feel like God wants us to do just for a few minutes and maybe you know Liz you can sing is um, I feel like he wants us to just maybe you want to move around in the room you want to come and get the elements of communion. Maybe you want to take them back to your seat. And I feel like this is what he wants us to do. I feel like ultimately, you know, the, the scripture says, they that bear the vessels of the Lord must be holy. And so what we're doing is we have the elements of communion. And they are the representation of, just like the priest that would go in, of, of that forgiveness of sins that's been made available to us, the ability to have things washed away to all forgetfulness so that they're never remembered. It's, it's like they don't exist. Maybe we got caught up in evil conversation. Maybe we got caught up in, in evil conduct. Maybe, maybe we're doing things in our lives. We're participating in things that, you know, can I just, I'm going to tell on Pastor Alex. I know we're, we're at time right now, but, you know, um, years ago, him and I ran in really quickly, and I don't think he'll mind. Um, we ran in really quickly into a KFC, and um, I don't know where he is, so I can't even look at him. But we ran into a KFC and we were going somewhere as a family and you know they have those little gumball machines and in the gumball machine um, was, you know those little voodoo things? Okay, so I think he might have, it might have been when he first started teaching youth and so I kept saying, Alex, like do not get that thing. Do not get that thing, you know, but it was just, he was not listening. To his mama that day and so you know oh mom I'm gonna use it in a teaching I'm gonna right come on isn't that what we say oh blah I'm gonna read this worldly book so I can know how worldly people think well maybe Holy Spirit's gonna let you but maybe you're one of the ones that he won't let and you won't know that unless you ask him right because what one person gets away with does not mean the next person can do the same thing because we all have different issues upbringing areas in our heart that only he knows are there so he takes that dumb little thing home and puts it in his room and all of a sudden you know he starts having nightmares nightmares one night 
the next night. He's having nightmares, 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 nightmares. And he's like, Mom, finally, he's like, ask Holy Spirit, what is going on? And, you know, of course, Holy Spirit's like, you know that dumb little voodoo doll that you got in your room that's about this big? That is an open doorway. What, you put your 25 cents in. You said, I'll, I want you. I'll take you home. I agree with you. Now, he would never say I agree with voodoo, but he put his quarter in, didn't he? And he brought it home, didn't he? And he put it in his room, didn't he? Man, I could tell you story after story after story. He was telling another one the other day of something that he had, a Aladdin poster in his room. Can I tell you a prophetess Kathy was telling us about a family who, whose little kid had plastered Aladdin stuff in the room and there was so much demonic activity going on in that kid's, kid's room like doors opening and closing, lights shutting. I mean, there are things. Hey, how many of you know that we have, have you ever heard Acts chapter 19? There's a prayer cloth. How many of you know that we pray over prayer cloths? How many of you know that if you're gonna give somebody a Bible or you're gonna do something, you don't, don't we do that when we have tracks? We, what do we do? We bless them, we pray over them. How many of you know that the enemy knows that there's power in, what's a prayer? A word. A word. There's life and death in what? Words. So over that dumb little doll, somebody spoke some words that can't affect you as long as they stay in the machine. But when you bring it home to your TV, you put it in your drawer, come on, we need to ask these questions. And it's not, ooh, spooky dooky dooky dooky. This is real stuff, people, right? It's, and it's not, it's not that it has power or authority over us in the sense that we're afraid of it. It's that we're doing everything we can to live a life that is holy in our conduct, in our manner of conversation. I'm not looking to fill up the cup and I got a little hole where I'm filling it up and it's, it's leaking out my foot, so to speak. Do you understand? But when we're just being ignorant of this world that is absolutely intentional and on purpose in everything it does. There's a moral code and compass that is not the standard of the Lord, is everything but that. And it has its effects. It has its effects. Just like the Word affects you and makes you feel good and heals you, Words that have been prayed over paraphernalia and things and books and movies and even people who are good people who live in jealousy. Come on, they're jealous and they're competitive and they're angry and resentful and hateful. That, that's garbage. And, and that's not Jesus. And can I tell you, there's only, you know, things either come from the kingdom of God and light or the kingdom of darkness. We don't originate anything. So we, what God wants us to do is to wake up to our conduct. Wake up to our conversation. Why? Psalm 6511 says, God has crowned this year, man. He's crowned this year. He's crowned this year. What if all these years what's been waiting for you in the vault of heaven hasn't been released because you've been mad at your boss? What if you just couldn't let go of that person that stole something from you and you're harboring it? You're still mad at your mom or you're still mad at your dad and you're living a life of blame and it's affecting you and me and not the ones we're mad at come on 
Come on. Psalm 65, 11 says he crowns, he has crowned this year with his goodness, his glory, everything good about God. And our paths are dripping. They are dripping. They are dripping. They are dripping. They are dripping with his goodness. But it's coming to those that bear the vessels of the Lord, those that are holy in their conduct and those that are holy in their conversation. I'm not talking about making a mistake. I'm talking about living an, a habitual lifestyle of this stuff. So we're, what are we repenting for when we get communion? We're repenting, number one, for Holy Spirit, the traditions of men, where Holy Spirit has become all too common to us. Number two, repenting of con conversation. Number three, repenting of, I'm telling you, people think that they can just spew all, I feel, I, I, can I just tell you, I, I'm afraid for people. The Bible says, touch not God's anointed and do his prophets no harm. I'm afraid for people who think nothing of, of mocking and, and, and they're the judge of it all. I'm afraid for them. I'm afraid for what that judgment is, is what's being heaped up behind closed doors for them. And I cry out for mercy for them because they don't know. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can I tell you, Jesus said in John 17, the implication is the only way the world will come to know Christ is through the love that we have one for another in our conversation I'm not perfect, neither are you. And if I hurt you, I'm sorry. I didn't set out to. You're doing the best you can, and so am I. And so just like I have to forgive you, you have no choice if you want to be blessed than to walk in forgiveness and love. Or you give the devil a foothold in your life. I'm sorry. This is grown-up stuff. It's grown-up stuff. It's grown-up stuff. But can I tell you, the devil's been stealing our stuff for too long. And there's grace for us to be blessed. So we're repenting for our conversation and our conduct towards others. Amen. And in so doing, we're resisting the enemy because you heard me tonight. You've understood what I've said. If you agree, you're releasing your faith. Amen. Hallelujah. And we are holding fast as we're being set apart to our roots and our mission in God. We're quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Amen? So God, we just thank you tonight. Holy Spirit, we bless your presence. We bless you, Father. We bless your word. We bless freedom. And we bless this year. This year is so loaded. It is so loaded. It is so dripping. Nothing can contain the blessings. They can't be contained. They are bursting forth in the name of Jesus. I prophesy it. And tonight, as an act of your will, as you partake of communion and you stop wherever you want to go in this room and you ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is there anything I'm partaking of, anything I own, anything that I've done, anything you want me to stop? There's no holds bar, God. There is nothing that is worth the crowning of God on this year. Nothing is worth the anger I feel. Nothing is worth me feeling sorry for myself. Nothing is worth my blessing. Nothing is worth the glory of God that flows in me and through me, all around me, and is touching, healing bodies when I walk by. Woo! Drawing people to Jesus when I walk by, causing them to feel the conviction of Holy Spirit. Why? Why, 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 why? Because they that bear the vessel, Holy Spirit, of the Lord, the Lord must be holy in all conduct and manner of, of conversation. And that which is holy changes everything.
It changes everything. It changes everything. It changes everything. It will change everything in your life. It will change everything in your life. It will change everything. But you have to decide. You have to decide. You have to draw the line and you have to never go back. And when you fall down, you have to say you're sorry. You have to humble yourself and acknowledge that it's not God's way. It's not God's way to gossip. It's not God's way to talk about people. It's not God's way to blame. It's not God's way. It's not God's way. And when you do things that are not God's way, you open the door to the devil. It's easy simple and you're not blessed period so when you're ready you get up and you take communion and you do business with God you do business with God all by yourself because I'm telling you tonight you have a new wine skin and when you take communion and you humble yourself and you repent before God God is pouring in new wine He's pouring in new wine. He's pouring in new wine. And the Bible says that our vats are overflowing. They will overflow. They will overflow. They will overflow. You're going to begin to see things automatically. Things you've been waiting for. I prophesied in the name of Jesus. Things you've been waiting for. But can I tell you, this is not pretend. This is real business. It's real business. It's really coming to terms with, hey, I got some junk in myself. I got some junk. Holy Spirit, help me. I keep falling into blaming others. It's nobody's fault. And, it, and I accept the responsibility, but I'm not mad at myself. And I'm not mad at you, and I'm not mad at them. Just help me. Just help me, God. Help me get beyond this. You don't want to be mad at you. You don't want to be mad at them. You don't want to be mad at God. We don't want to be mad at anybody. Just help me, God. Help me, God. Help me, God. His word is truth. So as you're ready, go ahead. Find a spot, go back to your seat, do business with God. If you need to write it down to hold yourself accountable, hallelujah.